appreciate him so much tonight. Praise the Lord. We've got a great young man going to speak for us tonight. And I'm thankful that uh, us being here, that God's sending us here to start a church, put this young man in our path. He is faithful. Yes, he is. He's trustworthy. And I could ask him to do anything, and if he was free to do it, he'd, he'd do it. That's, uh, I appreciate Brother Christopher, always ready to lend a hand and always ready to, with a good word to encourage somebody with. Glad to see his mom and dad, Brother Paul, Sister Karen. Glad to see y'all tonight. Thank you for being here. We appreciate them so much. Brother Christopher, come on and give us what's on your heart. Let's give the Lord a hand as he comes tonight. Praise the Lord. Is everybody doing good this night, this evening? Is God good this evening? All the time. <laughs> Thankful for this opportunity, for this privilege to not to preach this and also just to be in his presence, to be in his house. Thankful. Thankful for Pastor, for Sister Candy, for their influence over my life. Thankful for all y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> love y'all. I've uh, had the backbone of this message on my mind for about a year and a half. But lately, the atmosphere we've had for the past couple of weeks of liberty and freedom is giving me confirmation if everyone will turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4. Going to start in verse 4. Just a little background. The Philistines and Israel are battling against each other. And uh, the, Israel, the children of Israel had just lost a battle. So they decide to bring in the Ark of the Covenant to maybe that See, to see if that will give them an edge in this battle. In, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of God of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. <clears throat> and when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid. Everyone said they were afraid. For they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They were, they were discouraged. But in uh, verse 9, Be strong and quit, your, quit yourselves. And that word quit means conduct yourselves. Says, uh, so they're pretty much saying, Conduct yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men 
and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fell of Israel, 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. It should be very familiar. It's been quoted several times these past few weeks. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <clears throat> For uh, my message title, I'm going to need some uh, participation. I'm going to need some, some help from everybody. I'm going to need a, now, I'm going to be honest, I have no idea how this is going to sound, but I want to try it at least once, if that's okay. I'm going to need everyone to repeat after me, say your name. Your name. Oh, oh, wait. My bad. I, I didn't specify. I wasn't, I wasn't clear enough. Um, not, not the actual phrase, your name, but I'm going to need everyone to say their actual first name. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Let's try it again one more time. Everyone say your name. Unleashed. Let's, let's, try let's try that one more time. Everyone say your name. Unleashed. <laughs> let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you, God, for this time. Thank you, Jesus, that we're able to be here in this place, God. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. I pray you bless me. Use this, God. Jesus, to speak your word. I pray that everyone will receive it the way that you to Jesus. Bless us, God, that we'll be anointed to receive your word, that we'll be changed, that we'll be edified, and you'll be glorified in all of it, God. And we give you the highest praise. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone give him a hand clap. Praise. So if, if anyone has any doubt who this message is for, your name's in the title. <laughs> With that being said, there, there will be some things I'll get into that I want to I go ahead and say that this is a message of prevention. I'm not going to be dogging on anybody. If anybody, I'm, I'll be dogging on myself, <laughs> preaching to myself. But hopefully there'll be something for everybody. Now, in 1 Samuel 4, this, this great tragedy to the children of Israel, they, they lost. And then the ark of God was taken. It was a great tragedy. But this was a great triumph for the Philistines. Because if you uh, look back before this, the Philistines, they've been whooped time and time again. Man, we just can't beat these children of Israel. What are we going to do? We can't. We've tried to overcome them. We've tried to beat them, but they're just too strong for us. We don't know what to do. They said, wait a minute. We have what it takes. We have the ability to overcome these children of Israel. Verse 9 says, be strong, quit yourselves like men. They encouraged themselves. They did These pagan, non-God-fearing people were able to encourage themselves and beat this enemy that had been whooping on them time after time after time, and they finally were able to overcome them. If these people that don't 
even know God, that don't even serve God, can turn their situation around and get victory. How much more can God's people do? If these heathen people could turn their situation around by themselves, no help from God, what more can God's people do? John 15, 5, says, I, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. <clears throat> now, these, these, now, ultimately, the reason the Philistines won was because the children of Israel were being disobedient to God at the time. But the Philistines didn't know that. They were afraid. They weren't, they weren't sure they, they were going to beat, uh, beat the children of Israel, but they were able to encourage themselves and get the victory. And so can we with God on our side. There is so much that we have access to being children of God, but there are, there are leashes that we put on our lives. Not, not that the enemy puts on our lives, but that we put on our own lives. The Philistines, they were about to let fear bind them and keep them from victory. But there's so much that we put on ourselves and bind ourselves in that keep us from greater. And there's uh, some things I want to get into, some, some leashes. I was gonna, I'm going to talk about different leashes that we put on our lives. I wanted to uh, start with uh, leashes that we put on our behavior, how we interact with others, how we interact with God. And you could put, you could uh, call these different things that, inter- that influence our behavior, you could call them laws. And there, there's different levels of laws I'm going to get into that they uh, control how we behave, how we interact. I'm not saying these laws are bad. All of these things that I'm going to get into, they are God-created. They have their place. But we can't let them limit or put a leash on our walk with God. Now, when talking about laws, it's worth mentioning the law above every law, the Word of God. It's above everything. And every one of these laws that I'm about to talk talk about is subject uh, or is at least supposed to be subject unto the word of God. In Matthew twenty four thirty five says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. It's uh, no matter how much these laws are established, his law, his words are established above all other things. But but I want to I want to clarify that his word, his his law does not leash us. His word was not made to limit us. His word was made to guard us, to keep us. And the reason, and his word is not a leash because because we have freedom, we have a choice to follow his word or not. We're not forced 
to obey his word or not. Now, this is the best life there is going, and this is the only way to heaven, but it's still our choice. Joshua uh, 24, 15. And if it see, uh, Joshua was talking to children of Israel, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. You have the choice. You have the option. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have the freedom to live for God, and his word gives us freedom. His word gives, uh, frees us. It says in James 1 and 25, but whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty. His word is made to free us. His word is made to give us liberty from this world, from the things of our own nature. Now, the next law that's below this are laws of physics, laws of nature, etc. Some people think... uh, <clears throat> why, why are you getting into science in this place? Why, why are you? Well, scientists didn't come up with these laws. God did. Just in the Bible, they were referred to as different things. They, they were referred to as thrones or dominions or principalities. And in the Old Testament, one place, they were referred to as wisdom. It says in, uh, the, uh, in Proverbs 3, 19 through 20, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding, he hath established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. God made laws of gravity, <laughs> laws of physics, all, all to keep us safe <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> they have their place. <laughs> but as, as much as we know that the law of gravity is not going to fail and we're just going to drift off into space. We, we know that's, that law is not going to fail, but even more than that, his word will not fail. <clears throat> There's also a law of physics that says that matter and energy can't be destroyed, but the scripture I read earlier said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Matter, matter isn't supposed, can't be destroyed according to certain laws of physics, but God has the ability to alter, to manipulate any molecule, anything the way He sees fit. <clears throat> Whether it's a molecule that controls people having a cold or whether it's the molecules, molecules that control whether people have cancer, God has the ability to manipulate any of them just the same. Some people think, oh, it's, it's harder for God to manipulate or heal a cold than it is for cancer. It's all the same to him. We shouldn't let how we look at molecules, how we look at laws, how, uh, define how we look at God. The next law... Below this are laws of the state. And I'm not going to really get into much detail with them because it's, uh, currently in this country we do have the liberty to freely preach this gospel, to have church, unlike other countries. When I was in Malaysia, <clears throat> sorry, uh, it was, it's legal to have church, but it's illegal to invite Muslims to church. They can come if they want to, but you can't invite them. We, did, we actually didn't have that much outreach for that reason. But here in this country, we, we don't have that problem right now. 
but there's still a problem that can arise because of this. In Galatians 5, 13, says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I don't want my liberty to preach the gospel in this, in this country to become a comfort zone where it just becomes, oh, it's just easy. I, uh, someone will reach them. It's, it's legal, too. Someone will ha- be able to. We can't let liberty become just complacency in our lives. The next uh, level, the, the next law be- below this, if you want to call it a law, are, is uh, rules of etiquette. <laughs> it's not. It's not illegal to uh, to uh, chew with your mouth full, or it's, or it's not illegal to tip your server, even though some people think it is. <laughs> I mean, but but we still let these let these rules control us because we don't want to be rude. We don't want to be intrusive. But we can't let these same rules keep us from wanting to talk to people about Jesus, from wanting to keeping us from spreading the gospel. Oh, I don't, I don't want them to look at me. I don't want them to think I'm rude. I don't want them to think I'm be intrusive. Well, don't be rude. Just share, share it with love. <laughs> people have no problem sharing their opinions, sharing their views this day. Why not us? I'm not talking about start arguments. Not uh, be... You know, obviously, all of this with common sense. Don't try to, don't, don't take this as, oh, I'll just cause arguments, cause, cause all kinds of, no. no. <clears throat> now, the next, the next law below this, if, if you even want to call it this, it's, it's the smallest thing, but yet it still has a big influence over our lives, is awkwardness. It's not, it's not illegal or rude to go for a fist bump instead of a high five, but it still makes people uncomfortable. People will still try to avoid it. You ever go in a grocery store, and uh, you're down one of the aisles, and you see someone you, you know, and you get in a conversation with them, you know, catching up five or ten minutes or so, you know, asking how family is, asking how things are going. Then you say your goodbyes, and uh, you go down a different aisle, a few hours later, you see him again. <laughs> what? What do you say? <laughs> You've already said goodbye to him. <laughs> Maybe you just give him the head nod. That's the that's the English version of aloha, aloha, hello and goodbye. Okay, that's my last hello joke. I'm done. <laughs> we can't. We're afraid. Of awkwardness. Now, I'm not preaching against it. It still has its place. There are even some people that, like, I think they need to know what awkwardness is. Like, <laughs> nothing, nothing embarrasses you. <laughs> but we can't let it influence our fellowship with each other. We can't let it influence our outreach. We can't let our reputation or how we see ourselves influence how we interact with others tell you what how uh, Jesus was about with his reputation in Matthew 
13, 54 says, and when he, uh, Jesus, he was teaching people, he was healing people, says, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Talking about Joseph. Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence hath these men, this man all of these things? Jesus didn't let what others thought of him influence who he was called to be. He's like, I might be the adoptive son of Joseph, but I need to be about my father's business. I don't care what you might think uh, I am. What, it doesn't matter. The mission is greater. In the, what he... In the Philippians 2 and 6, this is describing Jesus. says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Well, that's just not me. That's just not my personality. That just does not describe me. The Word better describe you. The Word, above all other things, better be... What describes you? We shouldn't let how we interact with each other put leashes on our ministry. And we also shouldn't put leashes on how we interact with each other. Excuse me. In uh, Matthew 24, 10... Jesus is talking to his disciples about the end of the world and how things are going to be. And it says, Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That word offended can translate to entrapped. Bitterness and hate can trap us and keep us in a selfish, self-centered mindset where whenever we get hurt, or, uh, or whenever we get wounded, we either blame God or the church and just claim that we're not loved or claim that, oh, we're just... In uh, Galatians 5 and 13, well, I've already used this verse before, but I'll, I'll use it again, especially for the second part of it. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty only. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. In John 15 and 17, these things I command you that you love one another. In John 4 and 7, brethren, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. John 4, 11 through 12, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And none of these commandments that I just read said that when we get into church, when, we, when we're called of God, when we're his child, that we're called to be loved. It doesn't say that. Some pe- so many people, like when they get into church, they think uh, that it's a guarantee or a call that we'll be loved. But that's not what the Bible says. We're, now, I'm not talking about God's love. God will love you unconditionally no matter what, but the Bible says we're called to love. 
And if everyone accomplishes that, then everyone is loved, is loved. <laughs> now, before I go any further, I, uh, I, can, I will easily speak. I think I can easily speak for everyone in this church. We love you. We're here for you. We're, if you need prayer, we'll pray for you. If you need help with anything, we are here for you. If there's something that you need to talk about, we're, we're here for you. We want the best for your life. We, want, we all want to go to heaven together. <clears throat> now, what I just described to you in helping each other, praying for each other, that is love. But in the Bible, that word is translated as, uh, hopefully I'll pronounce this right, Storage, storage. I'll just call it storage. <laughs> and the Bible translates this word as brotherly love. <clears throat> but there are other translations of love in the Bible, and sometimes misinterpretation can lead to bitterness. What I said was was uh, was brotherly love, uh, but some. Uh, I'll talk about David. David loved people. Even people who tried to kill him, he mourned for them. He weeped for them. David loved people, but it records his soul only being knit with Jonathan. In the, in the Bible, that, uh, the way David loved Jonathan, that can translate to, hopefully I'll pronounce this right too, philio, which can translate to friendship. We can't let misinterpretation of loves become a bitterness, become a leash in our lives. Just, uh, people might think, oh, I get into the church. Man, everyone's going to be liking my posts. <laughs> Only two likes. <sighs> I guess they don't love me. <laughs> oh, I get into the church. I'll be able to all hang out at everyone's house. We don't all... Even though we love each other with brotherly love, not every, we all have different personalities. Not everyone connects with everyone. It's just, it just happens. And whether we are brother, brothers and sisters with each other, whether we're friends, whether we're spouses, we can still get hurt or wounded. No matter how close you are to somebody, you can still get hurt. It's not, it's not how, it's not whether or not wounds will come is how we respond to them. It, I, saw, uh, saw, I heard this story. How, uh, I'm going to be talking about how, how we let misinterpretation wound us. I heard this story. This is family. They were together for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and the mom was doing all the cooking. And uh, while they were eating, the, the son was complimenting, was going to compliment his mom, say, Mom, you make the best turkey, make the best dressing. Is the, it, I, I could eat it all day. Some people think they can cook, but yours is the best. Now, his mom took that as a compliment, but his wife, who was also there, <laughs> took that as, <laughs> well, if you want good cooking, <laughs> if you want cooking, period, you just better stay with your mom if you want it. What was, what was meant as a compliment was misinterpreted as an offense. It happens. We can't let it, we can't let these things 
of come, become offenses in our lives. We're, we're going to get hurt or wounded no matter what, but there's a cure. So, so many people think that cure is resolution. So many people think that uh, if we get hurt in the church, that, oh, it's, uh, if it's supposed to happen in the church, God, they're supposed to make it right. God's supposed to make it right. But that's not the case. We don't need resolution. We need healing. It says in Isaiah 53, 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by, with his stripes we are healed. And in 1 Peter 5 and 7, very familiar scripture, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. A minister, Josh Wilson, not, not the singer, but the minister, said the reason so many people remain wounded and bitter is because they expect resolution, but instead we need to go to Jesus for healing. I mean, people are like, why am I struggling with this? Why can't I let this go? And Jesus is like, because you're not spending any time in prayer giving it to me. <laughs> Give it to me. That's, what it, that's how the way it's supposed to be. If you're hurt, let God heal you. Even if people had, even if there's no misinterpretation and someone just legit just hurts you, no reason, no excuse for it, still need to have forgiveness. Still need to go to God for healing. Because, let me tell you, all, uh, all that person that hurts you has got to do is say, Lord, search me. Forgive me for any secret faults. And heal me, God. Deliver me. Forgive me. And that guy's good. Yeah, and so, and, and who, who's fine and who's not with, with bitterness? We can't let it keep us. It will become a leash in your life. <clears throat> how many prodigals are, that are outside this church, how many names are in this jar have a leash of bitterness in their heart? And all the devil had to do was just pull on the leash, just pull them out. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to do anything. Just let it go. Let God heal you. Jealousy and bitterness will choke out your life with God. It will choke out your ministry. <clears throat> we can't let jealousy hinder our ministry. We can't let it hinder. Sometimes it's so easy to get into the mindset of comparing ministries. God, I'm willing. Why is someone so, so used of God and I'm not? I'm willing, God, whatever you want me to do. Sometimes that happens is because people, <clears throat> instead of sowing their gift, they're sowing bitterness. And God's like, I can't use that talent. I can't use it. Let me take that talent, give it to him. And, they have to, and the people are so used to God because they're having to pick up the slack of those that are just sowing bitterness. People, the one that had a, there's, there's, there's supposed to be a person 
He's only supposed to have five talents, but he has six because someone's not using theirs. This person that has ten talents, but someone's not, but he has eleven because someone let bitterness and jealousy get a hold to him. But it's not going to do any good. Are you using your talent or someone else? We, uh, not just with our ministry, we can't let... Now, before I get into this next part, um, I'm not preaching against examples, to have examples in your church. We, and we need, we need to be examples, and we, and we need to have examples. What I'm about to say, I'm not preaching against examples. Be an example. We, we are called to standards in the church. There's a standard that we need to follow. There are examples that we need to follow. But I don't want someone else's example to become my best, my only example. The David Jury, uh, he preached a message at youth camp one time saying, my best belongs to God. God wants your best. He doesn't want someone else's best. He wants your best. I want, now, I'm not saying to not have examples in your life, but have enough common sense that if, someone's, if someone could, uh, isn't given their best, that's not an excuse. That's not permission for you to give your best. In Galatians 6 and 1, said, Brethren, if a, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, copy what he's doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, just, do what he's, just do what that person do. No. Restore such a one in the spirit of me. If, if you see people not win, witnessing to, some, to certain people, to certain people, that's not permission for you not to witness to them. If you see uh, the people you're hanging out with not, not greeting a new visitor, that's not permission for you not to greet that visitor. I'm not, I'm not dogging on anybody. I'm just saying we can't let other people's example become our best, become what we do. There are so many times that even when we are given our best, even when we're given our everything, we don't give ourselves enough credit. We believe that when, when Brother Green or Brother Stone King is praying for someone, oh, we know they're going to be delivered. <laughs> we know healing, <laughs> they are healed tonight. <laughs> but yet we don't have that own faith when we pray for people. <laughs> now, I'm not saying to be high-minded or compare your faith to other people's faith, but when you pray for people, pray because of my prayers, they will be healed. They will be delivered. And you could say, oh, well, we don't have the prayer life and the fasting life that Brother Green and Brother Stone King and others have. In a Galatians, I mean, not Galatians, Matthew 17, Jesus just uh, cast out a devil that the disciples tried to cast out, but they couldn't. And in seventeen nineteen, then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, unbelief was the main reason. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
You shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. <clears throat> Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, if there's a this kind that comes out by prayer and fasting, by this scripture, that must mean there is a that kind that comes out without prayer and fasting. There are some, now, with, with what I'm about to say, I am not preaching against prayer and fasting. <laughs> we need to have prayer and fasting. You will have a miserable walk with God. Even, I wouldn't even call it a walk with God if you don't have prayer and fasting in your life. But I'm using this to say that there is things that we have access to before we even prayer and pray and fast about it. How much more do we have access to when we do pray, when we do fast for things? There, there are other churches that they don't have a full revelation of one God, baptism in Jesus' name, filling with the Holy Ghost, holiness. Yeah, they've got, they have miraculous services, people walking out of wheelchairs, cancers being completely healed, limbs being regrown. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have experience these things, but if these churches that don't fully know who God is can have these things, have access to these things, how much more does God's children have access to? There are people that don't even know who God is, but yet they know what God can do. Do we? Let me show you what we have access to. In Ezekiel twenty nine seventeen, it says, And it came to pass in the seventh and twentieth year, in the first month, <clears throat> in the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, caused his army to serve a great service against Tyre. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> I probably, hopefully... Every head was made bald, and every shoulder was peeled. Yet he had no wages, nor his army for tear or tire. I'm going to call it tear. For the service that he has served against it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will give the land of Egypt unto Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And he shall take her multitude and her spoil and take her prey, and it shall be wages for his army. All now Babylon, this nation, did not serve God. They they did not they did not say that Jesus was, was the Lord was their God. They served other gods, they were pagans. But yet God said, just for them being obedient, that they don't serve me, but just for them being obedient, I'm going to bless the, them with the whole nation. I'm going to bless these pagan, idolatrous people with the whole nation just because they were obedient. How much more will God's people receive? It says in Psalms 2 and 8, I'm going to read the New Living Translation 
said, only ask, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Yeah, uh, people, people are obedient. People keep God's commandments every day. People don't steal, don't kill every day. And God, God is going to keep people. God's going to bless people. It rains, on, it rains on the just and unjust, and God blesses the just and the unjust. But, God, but there's no border on what God's people have access to. There's so much more we have access to. We just need to receive it. Verse Samuel 17. I'm, uh, I'm closing. <clears throat> uh, this uh, Goliath is coming out. He's crying to Israel. said, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. <clears throat> now let me give you a little history lesson about this. This takes place almost 50 years since my opening scripture in 1 Samuel 4. <clears throat> so, most, if not all the people, all the Philistines out there to battle were not there when the Ark of God was taken and they had that great victory over Israel. And in every battle in between 1 Samuel 4 and 1 Samuel 17, Israel repents and Samuel prays for them. And every battle they've had in between these two scriptures, Israel's beaten them every time. So Goliath has the nerve to come and make a deal with people that he has not even beaten. The enemy knows that they don't even have experience as far as their li- in their lifetime against the children of beating the children of Israel. Your enemy knows that he can't beat you, but if he can make a deal with you, if he can leash you, if he can limit you. I wanted to bring a leash with me and demonstrate with a volunteer, but I at least wanted the opportunity to preach again. So I just, you have a leash, especially those retractable leashes and you have a pet on it or something. There's, there's certain places they can go if they, if they want to go 10, 20 feet, however far. They, they can go that far. They can, they can do, they, ha, they have a little bit of freedom, but just they can only go so far. There are certain things that we can do that we have access to with leashes on, but there's only so much. There's only so much, so far that we can go with leashes on. And let me tell you <clears throat> what to do about them. Now, the deal was, 
that, that Goliath said, if we beat you, you serve us. But if you beat us, we'll serve you. That was the deal. And we all know in, uh, that David beats Goliath. And uh, in verse 51, Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 51, <clears throat> says, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew out of the sheath thereof, and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Wait, I thought, I thought the deal was that if David beat Goliath, that they would serve the children of Israel. They didn't care. They didn't care what they said. They didn't care what they did. They weren't going to serve them. But I'll tell you for one thing, if Goliath had beaten David, the children of Israel, they wouldn't have been able to put their chains on fast enough. Oh, well, I guess that's just the way it is. We lost, fair and square. Got to serve you. The enemy was like, nope, I don't care. I don't care what I said. I don't care what happened. I'm not going to serve you. Devil, I don't care if I fell. I don't care what happened. I don't care what happened in my past. I will not serve you. They just fled from it. Is that easy? We have access to freedom. We just need to receive it. We could stand. there's things you're going through, my, this, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your heart, whether it's physical or mental, if you have the Holy Ghost, you have access to freedom. You have access to liberty tonight. But even if there's things that you've tried, you've tried to take it off, you tried to deliver yourself from, but you just can't do it. You just can't take this leash off. You just can't take this chain off. There's still victory. There's still liberty for you. I've said this before. There's the man with the legion of devils. He, he had the ability. He, he took off the chains that were bound on him. He had the power to do that. But there was still spiritual things that he couldn't deliver himself from. But Jesus was there right around the corner to heal him from that. Whatever it is that you need, whether it's a mindset, whether it's an intention, if it's bitterness or just something spiritual that you've tried fighting, you have liberty in this place tonight. You have liberty in these altars tonight. You give him praise tonight. Thank you. And that's fantastic. Unleashed. Man, what a mindset. That if you can get all these things off of you and realize that you can walk in that liberty where the Spirit of the Lord, we've been talking about that so much lately, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
And even living in a country with liberty like we have, it's still a choice. You don't have to take part of the liberty that's been given you. You can just sit at home and, and be a prisoner in your own house and not do anything. Or you can go out and have that liberty. And you can sit in the house of the Lord and never take part of the liberty that's offered to you. Or you can say, I'm in a place where the Lord is. I'm in a place where the Spirit is. And if the Spirit's there, there's liberty. I'm in a place where there's healing, deliverance. A place where I can get victory. There's, there's liberty in this house tonight. I think you need to drop your leash. Come find a place in this altar for a few moments. And let's lift our hands and pray. And just come walking up with a newfound liberty. Come walking up with the, knowing that that leash is off. I'm going to let go of that hurt. I'm going to lay that bitterness down. I'm going to get past these things that have held me back and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to lift my voice and tonight on this Wednesday night I'm going to get blessed tonight on this Wednesday night I'm going to get my answer I'm going to get my miracle I refuse to be led around on a leash anymore let's pray